0: Are these the last days? The answer is yes. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches that the last days began on the day of Shavuot, or Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2. Peter said, and he quoted Joel, These are the last days when the Spirit of God will be poured out upon people. We're in the last days. Well, are we in the last of the last? Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. He was the one that started with the information about when the last days would take place, and they would take place the day he was preaching. And now he's written a couple of books And he's talking about the future. And many people believe that what is happening in our world and our country, our culture, is falling apart. Many people believe that soon and very soon, the Lord is going to bring his judgment on planet Earth. We started our series of messages for this conference That said, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Well, we started by saying, what was it really like in the days of Noah? And we talked a little bit about that. And then we asked the question, when God judges, what actually happens? That was in the last message we gave yesterday. Now, the question, are these the last days? Are they the end of the last days? Well, the Son of Man hasn't come yet, so we're still in the last days. If you're not clear, look down at your Bible at Second Peter 3, please. This second epistle, beloved, he wrote First Peter also, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, Where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. That's not true, of course. But that's what the mockers are saying. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now By the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise— as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord, spoken of 25 times in the Minor Prophets, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away, With a great noise, the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hasting under the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, Seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Even as our brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles... Speaking in them of these things, of which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest or twist, as they do also the other scriptures, under their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware... Lest ye also, being led away with the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Savior Yeshua HaMashiach, or Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever, and all God's people said. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this conference. Thank you for this pastor that loves your word and teaches it. Thank you for all these folks that have come to hear what you have to say about what's going on on planet Earth. God, I don't know the hearts of people here, but you do. You said man looks on the outward appearance But the Lord looks on the heart. You know what's really going on in each of us. And I pray, Lord, that anyone who is in attendance here at our final service and is not sure that if the Lord should come, they'd be caught up to meet him. God, I pray that today might be the day of their personal salvation and trust and belief in the Messiah of Israel, our blessed Lord Yeshua. And it's in his name that we pray and ask these things. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, it is impossible to tell you all that I want to tell you because I'm an old guy. And I got lots of stuff that I've been writing Every time I come to a conference, they have the wrong information on me. First, I've been preaching a long time. I've actually been preaching for 65 years. That's a long time. And at age 45, that's hard to do. I'll leave you to figure that one out. I've written a lot of books, a lot more than you have listed. I'm now over the number 60 on all books. We have a few more out in the lobby if you want to take a look at it. But the fact of the matter is, no matter how much Bible I have, I can't get enough of that Bible. I believe that my ministry is the Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible. And I'm going to keep at it until God calls me home. Now, if you really know the Lord, it is definitely a win-win situation. If you drop dead on the way home today, then there's a pleasant thought. But if you do, and you're a believer, you're absent from the body and present with the Lord. And your whole family is thrilled that you're gone. (laughs) Now I'm going to give you an outline of this chapter. Why? Because Peter's the one that introduced the subject of last days on the day of Pentecost a long time ago. And he's the one. That tells us about the last days as it relates to the end of those days. There is no more beyond this. So let's see if we can't outline it for ourselves as we go over chapter 3. First, according to verses 3 to 7, there's going to be a definite increase in those who doubt that Yeshua, our Lord, will ever return. If you don't think that's possible, you don't know what's going on among the churches, even of this continent. It saddens my heart greatly to tell you that there are multitudes of pastors who do not preach prophecy or tell people what the Bible says is coming. We are not prepared. That's why a lot of us live in fear and anxiety. We don't know what's coming. The truth of the matter is that this virus is not as severe as flus have been in this country. The truth of the matter is there is not all the people dead that they have reported from this coronavirus. As a matter of fact, they said the truth is only 6% of that total ever died, and many of those died of something other than coronavirus. Listen, we should have known what the minor prophets told us about the end of the last days, and that is that the political leaders of that day are going to be full of lies. They're not going to tell you the truth about anything. What a sad commentary on what has happened to this great nation. Founded on the Bible. Leaders that knew what God had to say. And knew, as many of them said, that we cannot survive unless we return to the word of God. Wow. A definite increase in Jude, one chapter before Revelation. In verse 17 and 18 and 19, it says, Beloved, remember the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Yeshua, how that they told you there would be mockers in the last time who would walk, after their own ungodly lusts. There be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. They may try to convince you that they are Christian in some sense of the word, but according to God, they're not. In Matthew chapter seven, even our Lord Yeshua said, not one who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils. But he answered and said, verily, verily. I say unto you, you might have think that because you did all these works that that's all that you needed. But the Lord said, then I will profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. People, I'm not here to criticize unjustly what's going on. But it would be stupidity not to recognize that we have evil people working iniquity in the cities of our country. It is being fostered upon our children like you can't believe. We even listened this morning on the TV to the news about what they're doing to our children. You think they're safe going off to school? May God help us. What they're doing is programming those children for further evil and iniquity in this world. Wow. In Matthew 25, our Lord said, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. People often ask me, when is the Lord coming again? Answer, soon. But we've been saying that for years. True. That all, all that means is you're a day closer, so you better panic. Make sure you know the Lord. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Now, I want to tell you a couple things that Peter tells you about the increase in people who will not be believing that Yeshua is ever going to come back. First, according to verse 3, it will be caused by sensual pleasures. That's what the Bible says. The sensuality of our time has gone beyond, beyond anything we've ever seen. The pornography, the wickedness, the prostitution everything that is happening. And verse 3 just says, they'll be walking after their own lusts. That's what it says. Watch out. So it'll be caused by sensual pleasures. But the second thing is very interesting. Verses 4 to 7 here tells us it's going to be controlled by secular philosophies that deliberately... Ignore the evidence for a previous global disaster, which is exactly what our conference has been about. I see it everywhere. On the university campus, if you say you believe in the flood of Noah, they'll laugh you out of the room. My friends, what the Bible tells us is happening right now. It's happening in elementary schools. It's happening in middle schools and high schools and definitely in the colleges of our land. I know this personally because I, I, you're looking at somebody who, though old, remembers well the debates that we had on the university campuses. I have debated many teachers for years, and especially about Noah's flood. It's unbelievable. I've debated evolutionists about things like the Big Bang. My favorite analysis of the Big Bang is of the man that was called the smartest man since Einstein. He died a year ago, and he wrote a book called Bubble, Not Bang. So I went to the local bookstore, and I couldn't find it on any shelves, so I walked up to the lady in the counter, and I said, "Uh, Do you have the book that it's a bubble, not a bang? And she said, "Uh, Let me look. She looked on her computer, came back, and said to me, Are you sure you want the book? I said, why? Because if you buy it right now, you're the only one who ever has. (laughs) So I bought it. I still have it. I'm not going to loan it to anybody unless I lose it. But the fact of the matter is, I didn't understand much of what was in the book. But the last page, I sure did. His idea is that space is dirty, which he's been saying for years that as we know, the, the space that we look at all the time is very dirty. He said he's calculated that you cannot have an explosion in space as we now know it. So he said the only thing that I can conclude is there must have been a gigantic bubble in which the explosion took place where there was no bad air and so forth. I looked at that and I said, this is the smartest man in the world. (laughs) And I've never heard of anything more stupid than that. (laughs) The last paragraph he said, let me make sure I quote. There will be people who will think That it's impossible for this to occur they will say where did I get it the answer is that I haven't the slightest idea as to whether this is right or not but thanks for buying the book (laughs) it obviously is not a bestseller Now, there's a second thing that we learn from this passage, especially verse 8 and 9. And that is that there's a growing ignorance among believers, Christians, concerning Bible prophecy. That has come out in our conference several times. But here we read the following, and it's very, very interesting to me in the light of what we've been teaching all week. In 2 Peter 3, 8, it is directed towards believers, as he calls us, beloved ones. He said, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, people argue over this and say, well, not everybody has come to know the Lord. You don't know that. You don't know that at all. In fact, when he said not willing that any should perish, if you're following this very carefully... The Lord is long-suffering to us believers. He's not willing that any, the context would be any of us should perish, but that all, meaning of all of us, which he has planned, will come to repentance. I don't know, maybe today is that final day somebody here in Appleton, Wisconsin puts her faith and trust in the Messiah of Israel, and bang, we're out of here. Praise the Lord. I don't want to get on another airline with a mask on my face. May the rapture come today. Now, when I look at the growing ignorance among Christians about Bible prophecy, I will tell you just briefly, what I have seen and verified over and over again even before I came to this conference. One, there is ignorance, gigantic ignorance about God's plan for Israel. It's hard to believe what's happening. The majority of pastors believe in replacement theology They think because of Israel's sin and disobedience to God that he has canceled his everlasting covenant with them. Well, don't be stupid. If it's everlasting, it's forever. God is never going to forsake Israel. I like to tell audiences Israel is forever. They will never be wiped out according to God's work. Never. They may not be what they are today. Praise the Lord. There's a day coming when they're going to turn to the Lord with so much people, it will be hard to believe. But it's going to happen during what's called the day of the Lord or in the New Testament, the great tribulation. You say, well, how are they going to get saved? Well, first of all, if you read Revelation, there's 144,000 Jews who will become evangelists and take the true gospel to the entire world, praise God. And they will be instrumental. Then people ask me, well, how are they going to get saved? Good question. I believe they're going to get saved by two witnesses who, according to the Bible, are Moses and Elijah. Elijah. And my rabbinical friends have told me every time I ask them that if Moses and Elijah show up, they're going to have many of their Jewish friends who become believers. God is going to save the nation of Israel. Then people say, well, wait a minute. The Bible says they're going to be attacked. There's a listing of even the nations, most of which are Islamic in the Middle East. So they're going to be destroyed by this gigantic army. No, they're not. Then how are they going to be saved? Because the Messiah is going to come back. And in case you didn't know, he is the Lord of hosts, not the Father, the Messiah. The word host is the word sabioth in Greek and also in Hebrew. And it is referring to armies. The Messiah is coming with the armies of heaven and according to the Bible, he's going to destroy all nations who thought that they could hurt his people Israel. That day's is coming. Now, I believe the true believers are going to be out of here at the rapture before that starts. But it, thank you very much. You may have a free book at our table. It's not just ignorance about God's promise to Israel that I'm bothered about. It's ignorance about God's promise to resurrect dead believers and rapture the living ones. I, I, could, I could spend all my time, which I don't want to do, telling you all of the dumb stuff I have read on the Internet from pastors who don't believe what God said. They don't believe it at all. Well, you better believe it because according to the Bible, that's what's going to happen. You're going to be a lot of people gone instantaneously in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. There will also be a lot of empty graves in all those memorial spots that you go to look. For relatives those who are believers are going to be resurrected they'll be with the Lord then I got people saying well what are they going to do take a nap in heaven waiting for everybody to show up or whatever no well what are they going to wear well the Bible says white robes until God's finished bringing people to himself Wow. Well, do they talk when they get to heaven? Like your loved ones who've died? They sure have. They're talking all the time. Bible says so. They're asking the Lord, how long until you avenge what happened to us? And he said, just wait. There's more coming. And it's interesting, the ignorance about, talk about basic things, God's promise to resurrect dead believers and to rapture living ones. Wow. And here's a third thing they're ignorant about, about God's purpose in delaying the return of Yeshua. Why has Yeshua not come yet? Because of what 8 and 9, verse 8 and 9 says. You see, God has a plan, and he's going to take care of that plan. Well, that's enough of that. One more thing. And a few more things. One more thing. There's going to be a worldwide impact from the coming day of the Lord. Look at verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Be a total surprise. In the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Its coming will be a surprise, a thief in the night, but the c- catastrophe that's going to in- be involved will be an utter shock to the people of the p- planet. But Peter has something else to say. And that's a fourth matter. And that's a special importance given to the lifestyles of believers today. Uh Uh-oh. In verses 11 to 16, when you see all these things happening... What manner of persons ought you to be in all the holy conversation and godliness looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God? Wherein the heavens will be on fire, they'll be dissolved, the elements will melt with fervent heat. But look at these words. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, Beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you will be found in him in peace, without spot and blameless. And you will account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. God is still bringing people to himself maybe the last one to be saved is here this morning. And your salvation brings an end. It's because of the coming destruction of the world that we should be different believers. And it's because of the future dwelling of all believers that we should be excited about this. There's going to be new heavens, and a new earth. Do you think we could use it? Yeah. Portland is nothing. Seattle, Portland, New York City, because they'll never know what happened. They have a very unusual governor and mayor of New York who really should go back to school, really, yeah. It's unbelievable And the folks in New York City are leaving in droves. Oh, by the way, for the first time, more people are leaving California than are coming to California. (laughs) And as a longtime resident, my wife and I have been thinking about moving here to Appleton. Appleton. On that basis, give me a contract, please, to sign. (laughs) The fact of the matter is, we got a problem. California's terrible. People are leaving in droves, our neighbors and friends. And now the governor, Gavin Newsom, who happens to be a relative of Nancy Pelosi, he now has said, that he wants to stop us from leaving the state. So he's going to tax us all for 10 years of, of our income before we can leave the state of California because he wants to pay for the absence of your presence. Have you ever heard anything so stupid? Wow. Unbelievable. And you know what? I like the way Peter wraps it all up. I think it's just really spectacular. I call it a needed instruction for all believers to depend now on the Lord more than ever before. In case you didn't know, God is in control. Nancy Pelosi is not. You say, oh, you sound like a Republican. Look, I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. I believe that the most important thing to be is a committed believer in our blessed Lord Messiah. And it's interesting what he says. For instance, verse 17, that there's a danger of deception that should be causing and motivating us to depend on the Lord more than ever in our life. Verse 17 says, Beware lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked. Our Lord Yeshua said, Take heed that no one deceives you. He was talking about his coming. He told us in Matthew 24 that there's going to be false prophets, false messiahs. We're going to have false leaders everywhere. They'll be lying to us. But be patient. The Lord is coming. And the last thing he says is that we need spiritual development in our life that is found only in the grace Grace gives us what we don't deserve. Mercy holds back from us what we really do deserve. But the spiritual development that is greatly needed when everything's falling apart as it is here is found in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Yeshua HaMashiach, his Hebrew name's Jesus Christ our Lord. Colossians 2, 3 says, In him are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm tired of listening to all the political pundits of this world trying to tell us what's happening. Just forget it and be committed to our Lord and understand that God is in control. And I know it's a miracle, but Trump is not. He believes he is, but he's not. The best thing about Trump is that he and his cabinet are praying every day in the Oval Office. God bless him. And I don't know about Biden. Until he gets out of his house, we don't know. But you know what? These leaders are not going to solve it for you no matter who wins the election in November or whether we ever have the election in November. I believe it's time for you and me to reevaluate our relationship to the Lord. Do you really have a relationship with him? It's time to pray. Would you join me in a moment of prayer? Father, we know from your word that there's a lot more that you have said about what's coming. Some of it is very scary and very dark, but we also know that our relationship with you is secure. You say that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. And Lord, again, I don't know the hearts of these people, but you do. You know how many are sitting here right now and thinking themselves, you know, I really don't have assurance of my relationship with the Lord. Now is the time to turn to the only one that can save you from sin, death, and hell. He's the one who died on the cross for our sins He's the one who was buried and rose again the third day. He's the one who ascended to heaven. And the disciples were told, this same Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you have seen him go. And Lord, I pray by your powerful Holy Spirit you would right now move upon all of our hearts and those of us who are not really sure that this might become a turning point for us. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, please don't look around. Maintain privacy for everybody. But I'm wondering, are you here and you're not sure? It's time to be sure. And I'm going to ask you if you really want to settle your relationship with the Lord right now. Just raise your hand to the Lord just right where you are I'm not going to embarrass you or call out yes sir yes ma'am yes yes right where you are yes way back there yes over there yes and way back there listen the Lord knows your heart he knows whether you're serious about what yes sir yes God bless you and yes right back there the Lord loves you and you can settle this right now Maybe your family wonders when in the world you're going to settle it. Right now. Just lift your hand up to the, yes, God bless you. And yes, over here. God bless you, young man. Wherever you are, that upraised hand says, I need to settle my relationship with the Lord. Please pray. Yes, sir. Please pray for me. Yes, over here. Yes, God bless you. Yes, and back there. Yes, over here. God bless you, young man. Yes, way in the back. Father, you and your son see the simple act of raising our hand. And these people want to know for sure that they are rightly related to you and ready for the coming of the Lord. So many churches are not telling us the truth, the real gospel, which centers only in our Lord, not in our own efforts at all. And God, I pray that you will help them to get that help as soon as possible. And we thank you in the wonderful name that is above every name, the name of our Lord Yeshua, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. And thank you for being so patient.